again with us. Hope you're having a great day today.
And I'm, I'm so hesitant to even speak right now, but just to be still. Man, we need the Lord, amen? amen. We need Him maybe more than ever. You can be seated. Um, I do want to welcome you. Thank you for coming to, to gather with us here at Northside Baptist Church. Uh, man, it is good to be with each other, right? Good to be with brothers and sisters. Look, I know it's still, it's still not the same. My mom and dad are actually with us this morning, and when they pulled in, I walked up and hugged them, and it felt so good to hug somebody else. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, yeah. And so, look, I know you walk in here, man, I, I want to hug your neck and shake your hand, and, and some of you, I know you've been doing that and you feel comfortable, but I'm still refraining from doing that right now for your safety, but, but I know it's not the same, but it is good to be here. And look, I know we still have a lot of people watching from home. We got people traveling, and maybe they're tuning in this morning, so I want to welcome you um, as well. I want to read some scripture, but before I do, I just want to read a tweet that I read last night about 10 o'clock when I got in my bed to try to go to sleep. Um, and it simply said this. It said, pray for your pastor tonight. He is likely distracted, tired, uncertain, wanting to shepherd you in light of this week's events, but not knowing exactly how. Who is sufficient for these things? Only God. So lift him up before the throne of grace. Um, and there is so much that can be said right now, and I honestly don't have the words to say. Uh, so I'm just going to read some scripture, and then we're just going to have a, a time of prayer. Uh, Amos chapter 5, verse 14 says, Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, as you have said. Hate evil and love good, and establish justice in the gate. And then verse 24 says, But let justice roll down like waters. And righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. There are many in our world this morning that are hurting. In our country who are hurting. And they're grieving. Some of them are angry. And some are acting out in ways that I think all of us would agree are not helpful, not beneficial. But there are many who are genuinely angry and concerned. And they are our fellow Americans. They are, many of them, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, man, I just, I just want to have a time of prayer. Pray for our country. Pray for justice to be done, pray for peace, pray for healing, pray for our hearts, and pray for the church of Jesus Christ, that we will be who God has called us to be in a moment of chaos and darkness that surrounds us, that we'll be the light. So take just a moment and pray, and then I'll pray for us, and then we're going to stand and we're going to sing a couple more songs together. So just take a moment and pray. Father God, your word tells us to be still and to know that you are God. Lord, I'm guilty sometimes of just talking too much and not being still, not listening to you and not listening to those around me. So God, I just want to be still. I want to be slow to speak and I want to be quick to listen. I want to abhor that which is evil. God, I want to hate that which is wicked and wrong. And God, I want to have the strength to speak out against those injustices. Lord, I also want to weep with those who weep. If there is somebody who is weeping and mourning for whatever reason that may be, whatever circumstance it may be, Lord, I just want to weep with them. I just want to be there for them. I just want to be available to them and to listen to them. Lord, sometimes I think we've been too quick to share our opinions and too slow to share the Word of God. And Lord, we sang already this morning that only our God saves. Lord, that you are our one defense. You are our righteousness. Lord, we need you. And we know that you're going to be who you are because you are majestic, majestic and you are magnificent and God, you are faithful to show up and work every single day. The question that I have to ask myself is, am I going to be the salt and light that you've called me to be?
Will your church, your bride, be who we are supposed to be? God, we have an opportunity. And 2020 has not been a great year so far. Between the virus and, and now, Lord, all that's going on with, with the injustices that we see and, and with the rioting and, and the hurting that people have in their hearts, Lord, will the church rise up and be who we're called to be? Will we say, look, there is hope in Jesus. Lord, as we sing in just a moment of your majesty and of your glory, would you take our eyes off of ourselves and fix our minds on where it needs to be? For you and you alone are worthy. God, bring healing. Bring peace to our land, to our nation. Bring peace to our own lives and to the church as well. Bring peace, Lord, we pray. Lord, you are worthy. So may we give you the praise that you, let's do your name right now. Let me ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and continue to worship with us? Let's sing about the majesty of Jesus. Everyone join in with us. Majesty, worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and
have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. We'll read that together. Every week as I'm preparing to study in the front of my Bible, I have eight prayers that I pray. And one of those is, Lord, by your Spirit, please help me to preach this sermon with the necessary power and with appropriate affections. So just full disclosure, I've been pretty emotional this week as I've been looking through this text, as I've been thinking about what's going on around us. So those emotions may uh, show up a little bit in the sermon, but my prayer is that the Spirit of God will just lead in, in what is declared. Psalm chapter 8, verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the pass of the seas, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name and all the earth. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. One of the commentaries I've been reading as I've been studying in the Psalms is a, psal is a, a commentary by a man by the name of Derek Kidner. Every other commentary, or I think every other sermon that I looked at this week, all quoted this line from him. It is a perfect summary of Psalm chapter 8. And Derek writes, The range of thoughts in Psalm 8 take us not only above the heavens and back to the beginning, but as the New Testament points out, on to the very end. So this morning as we study Psalm 8, we're going to go up above the heavens, we're going to go back to the beginning, and then we will also see we're going to go to the end as Hebrews chapter 2 points out as it reflects on Psalm 8. Notice three things from our text this morning. Notice number one, the majesty of God. As we go above the heavens, we get a glimpse of the majesty of God. Psalm 8 begins and ends the same way. Verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is a psalm, a hymn of praise about the Lord. David writes, O Lord. You'll notice in your Bible that should be in all caps. That's the Hebrew Yahweh. O Lord, Yah Yahweh, the name for God, our Lord. That other Lord is in lowercase, right? It's a different Hebrew word. It is... Adonai, O Lord, Yahweh, our Adonai, O Lord, our ruler, O Lord, our master, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic, how marvelous, 
how magnificent, how mighty, how awesome is your name. Is your name. This speaks to who he is. This speaks to what he has done. The name of the Lord, the person of the Lord is majestic. It says, you have set your glory above the heavens. The CSB says, you have covered the heavens with your glory. And then verse 2. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. I love what James Montgomery Boyce writes. He says, if God has set his glory above the heavens, then it is certain that nothing under the heavens can praise him adequately. If his glory is above the heavens, then how can anything under the heavens actually praise him adequately? Like, I feel like I don't have the words this morning to adequately describe the majesty and the glory of God. And yet, we are called to praise his name anyways. Amen? We are called to praise his name. Look what he says in verse 2. Out of the mouth of babies and infants. It's as if the psalmist goes from the transcendence of God, the glory that is above the heavens, and then he comes all the way down to the tiniest of people. The babies and the infants and the children and the toddlers. And he says, yet even they can praise the mighty God. But don't you love to see little ones declare the praises of our awesome and mighty God? But verse 2 also tells us that not all will praise him. In fact, there are those who will resist him. It says you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. And I think back to Psalm 1. You have the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. Here in Psalm 2, we have babies and infants declaring the praise of God, and then yet we also see those who are foes and enemies and avengers to God. And the question simply is this, are you with God or are you against God? Are you for God declaring his praises or are you standing in opposition to the glory of God? And then he comes to verse 3. And I can just imagine young David tending the flock as a shepherd out in the middle of the field. No buildings around, right? No lights, just darkness looking up to the heavens, looking up to the stars. And he says, when I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. He says, when I look when I observe, when I consider the heavens, the stars, and the moon. Oh, we're quick to marvel at what man has made. At least I am. I'm so thankful for chairs. Aren't you thankful for chairs? Nice, comfortable chairs to sit in instead of having to stand or sit on the floor while I'm preaching. I'm thankful for air conditioning. Can I get an amen? Man, it feels a lot better in here than it does out there. I'm thankful for phones. Thankful for internet. Right, some of you are thankful for shoes and clothing, and right, you go into the store and you're just in awe of the styles that you can choose from. Right? We, we're in awe sometimes of what man has made, but that is nothing compared to what our God has made. And are we as quick to marvel at his creation? Let me just give you one example. This, this blows me away. As you think about God's creation, if you could travel at the speed of light, which is impossible, but if you could, it's around 186,000 miles per second. Now, that's rounded down. That's approximately 186,000 miles per second. I'm used to traveling at 75 and sometimes closer to 80 miles per hour, right? So I can't even fathom 186,000 miles per second. But if you could travel that fast, to go from the sun to Mercury would take you 3.2 minutes, Traveling at 186,000 miles per second, and it would still take you 3.2 minutes. To go from the sun to Venus would take you six minutes. To go from the sun to earth takes 8.3 minutes. So one person described it as when, when a, a beam of sunlight leaves the sun, it takes 8.3 minutes before it reaches us. Traveling at 186,000 miles per second. To go from the sun to Neptune, 4.1 hours. To go from the sun to what I was taught was the ninth planet, 
to which Landon told me yesterday is not a planet anymore, apparently, is Pluto takes 5.5 hours. All of that blows me away. And then I read this. To go from the sun to the center of our galaxy, which is the Milky Way, traveling at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, would take you 26,000. Not seconds, not minutes, not hours, years. 26,000 years to go from the sun to the center of our galaxy. We can't even comprehend how massive and awesome our God is. David didn't know what we know. He didn't know how fast the speed of light traveled. But he knew in the middle of God's creation to declare, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Amen. He is worthy of our praise. I love what a, an old entry from the Daily Bread Read Some of you read the Daily Bread. It says this, At creation, God gave man breath. And then he took man's breath away with the beauty and the grandeur and the eloquence of a universe of marvels created by his own hand. It says, look around. Examine what God has done. And then breathless, proclaim his majesty. Oh, may we be a people who are so quick to say, God, you're, you're majestic, you're magnificent, you are worthy. Notice the majesty of God, but notice secondly this morning, the insignificance, yet worth of man. And here's where we go back to the beginning. David, looking at the heavens, says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, and then he asked this question, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Compared to the vastness of God's created universe, I am puny. I am insignificant. Like I am nothing compared to the vastness of God's creation. Like this ought to humble me. Like who do I really think that I am? Like there's times I live my life that I think, man, everything should revolve around me. And then the psalmist would remind us, no, look to the heavens. You're, you're insignificant. I am one of 7.5 billion, again, I rounded down, 7.5 billion people on planet Earth. One of 7.5 billion. And yet there's times that I actually think I'm something. I am insignificant. And yet, God is mindful of me. Church, God considers you, the psalmist says. So yes, we are insignificant compared to the world around us, but we are not worthless. We are not worthless. Think about this, folks. The majestic and supreme creator cares about mankind. He cares about you. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. God sees you right now. God hears you. God knows your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows you. He knows you. The psalmist can't even begin to fathom how the God who set all of this in place would be mindful of us. And then he begins to describe where we as mankind fall in God's created order. Verse 5 says, You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Because you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field. The birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. And then he declares, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. So in these verses, we see where God has placed man in his created order. Notice what the psalmist first says. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. So God has created us a little bit lower, the psalmist says, than the heavenly beings. And then yet the psalmist says, he has given us dominion over the work of his hands. You put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beast of the field. So here we are, a little lower than the heavenly beings, but higher than the beast. We're in this mediator position. And I love what James Montgomery Boyce writes as he makes this observation. He says, why does the psalmist say that we're made lower than the heavenly beings. 
He could have said, you were made higher than the beast. But he doesn't. He says, we were made lower than the heavenly beings. And James Montgomery Boyce's observation is this. The reason the psalmist words it this way is because you and I are to look up to God rather than to the beast. We are not evolved from beast. We are made by an almighty, glorious creator. And he has made us not to look downward, not to become more beast-like, but he has made us to look up to God to be like God. And then look what he says in verse 5. You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and you have crowned him. Do not miss this. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You see that word glory? Go back up to verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your what? Glory. The psalmist says God has crowned his creation, mankind, man and woman, with his glory. Verse 1 says the glory of God covers the heavens. That word glory being referred to God and then he's saying he crowned us with glory is simply saying this. That you and I are identified with God. And this takes us all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Let us make man in our image. You and I as man and woman, we are created in the image of God. God has given to all mankind significance and honor above everything else he has created. Because we are made in the image of God. Man is a creature made in God's image. And our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. But look around at the world in which we live. Have we not blown this? Have we as humanity, going all the way back to Adam and Eve, not blown this? You and I are to glory in the majesty of God, and yet instead we try to grab it for ourselves. Instead of running God's creation under His authority, we have in essence, ruined God's creation. We are made in the image of God, and yet we have marred that image. Adam and Eve blew it. We have blown it. And the church has oftentimes blown it. We've blown it. We see here the significance and the worth of every human being on planet Earth. Look, if you have a television or any access to social media, you are fully aware of what is going on around us. Fully aware. Man, for the last two days, I've agonized over, God, what do I say? What do I say? Like We have to be mindful of what's going on around us. So what do I say? And so first of all, let me say this. I'm 40 years old. I have never for a moment in my life considered myself to be a racist. I don't consider myself to be a racist. But here's what I've learned in the last five years. Five years ago, God transformed our family by bringing Malachi into our family. And if you don't know, Malachi is black. So what I've learned in the first 35 years of my life, though I was not a racist, I was far too silent. Far too silent. Far too maybe afraid to say what should be said or to address these things. I would address other issues, but I was just silent. I didn't think, hey, I wasn't out there. I wasn't racist. I wasn't overtly racist. I didn't have a problem with, with, with people of a different color than me. I wasn't racist. But I've learned that my silence does not help the situation whatsoever. So let me just share from my heart for a moment, because I am your pastor, and I think you need to know where I am. My son, Malachi, obviously looks very different than me. And he does not have a clue as to what's going on around him. Not a clue. But here's what he is starting to realize. He's different than me. He looks different than me. We were getting on an elevator just a couple weeks ago. The doors opened. A family walked off. We were walking on, and Malachi loudly said, They're brown like me. He's beginning to recognize. Now here's what I've heard some people say. 
And to be honest, maybe I believe this too. Some people would say at that moment, when they begin to emphasize their color, you say, listen, God's colorblind. God doesn't see color. God sees us all the same. He's colorblind. Listen to me. Here's what I've learned. God is not colorblind. God is not colorblind. Have you ever been to the Biltmore Gardens? Asheville, North Carolina. We were there a couple years ago. We walked around the gardens. Do you know what I saw? Lots and lots of colors. Aren't you thankful for that? God's not colorblind. God has given us all of these colors. And God is the creator of humankind, of the human race, of humanity. God is not colorblind. God created Malachi and he is black. And I am lighter than him. And it does nobody any good when we say God's colorblind. You know what I say? Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That there's diversity among us that we're not all alike. But hear me, don't only see color. And that's the problem with so many people today. All they see is color. And the moment they see somebody who looks different than them, they're prejudging them. So listen. I'm going to have to parent Malachi differently than I do Landon. Some people want to push back on that and say, no, no, no. Here's my encouragement to you and to me to simply do this. Let's start listening to people more. Let's just start listening. No whataboutisms, no what about this, or they must have done that. No, just listen. If they're weeping and they're mourning, just listen to them. If they say, I have to parent my black son differently because of A, B, and C, just listen to them. Maybe there's truth there, and I believe there is truth there. Listen to them. Malachi, like a couple weeks ago, said to me, and I'm just sharing my heart and I'm moving on because this is how I want to address this issue. Malachi said to me, in joking, he said, Dad, I'm a loser. Now listen, if Landon said that to me, I would have been like, Landon, you're not a loser. Come on, you're not a loser. But for Malachi... I know he's going to be called far worse than that. And my experience as a 40-year-old white man is I've never been called any name. I've never had to walk down the street and be afraid. I've never had to deal with that. But I've listened to enough people to know that's not going to be his story. That's not going to be his life. So when he said, I'm a loser, you know what I did? I picked him up with tears in my eyes and I said, no, you're not. You are loved by God. Don't listen to anybody who would ever say that about you because of the color of your skin. Church, we have to be different than the world. God is majestic, and he is worthy of our praise. So I'm just letting you know where I'm coming from. And with that, we move on to the hope, the hope of everything, the hope of racism, the hope of anything in the world is simply this. It is the glory of Jesus Christ. So here we look to the end. Because the author of Hebrews takes Psalm 8 and he applies it to Jesus. And he says, Jesus fulfills this psalm as we have not. So go to Hebrews chapter 2 as we wrap this up by looking to Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 2. Because it interprets Psalm 8 for us. It interprets verses 5 through 8 for us. We begin Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which you are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him, here it is, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor. Because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Hebrews 2, 5 through 8 is a quote from Psalm 8. In verse 9, the psalmist applies verses 5 through 8 to Jesus. And for the first time in Hebrews, mentions the name of Jesus. And what does he say? He says, Jesus Christ is crowned with glory and honor. When you read chapter 8, verse 6 of Psalm, you may say, David, are you crazy? You're saying that God has put all things under the feet of man? Have you looked around? Right? Have you watched the news the last couple of days? The anarchy, the chaos, the destruction? Right? We, the racism, we say, God, how is this in subjection under you? It is chaos, and it only seems to be spinning more and more out of control. The answer to that is in Hebrews chapter 2. And that is, 
that all things have been put under the subjection of Jesus Christ. That Jesus fulfills Psalm 8 as you and I have not. Look at verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 2. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. I was reading in Revelation earlier this week, Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. It says, and from Jesus Christ, a faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth. Listen to this. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Well, church, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and he has come for us. He is Lord and he is Savior. He has conquered death. He has freed us from our sins by his blood. David didn't know what we know about the heavens, about God's creation. And yet he still declared what? Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. And that's amazing, but hear me. David also didn't know what we know about the cross. David had the covenant. He knew there would be a, an eternal king that would come, that God's kingdom would be established, his throne would be established, but he didn't know what we know about the cross. So the answer to what is man that you are mindful of him is seen in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That God the Father would send his son Jesus to die for me and to die for you. And church, that is the hope for the world. And the second we wander away from that hope, we have nothing to offer the world. The hope is Jesus Christ. He is the answer always. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. I love what John Piper said as we close. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let me say that again. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Church, the only life that matters is the life that's given to Jesus. And as we give our life to Jesus... And we seek to be his feet. We seek to be his hands. And we seek to be his voice that goes out into a hurting, broken world and says, there is hope. There is hope for you. There is hope for those of you who are watching. And his name is Jesus. And may the church of Christ use this time in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of so much uncertainty and hatred in our world, may we stand and point people to the love that is found in Jesus Christ. And may they know that we are different than they are because we have Jesus. And may they want what we have. Would you close your eyes and, and bow your head? Look, I don't know how the Lord is... I've spoken to you in, in this message. I pray at least it's given you a greater resolve and desire to want to praise the majestic name of God. That right now where you are, man, you just want to shout, God, be praised. I pray it's also helped you to see that, man, God loves you. He's got a purpose and a plan for you, that he is mindful of you, that he cares for you, and he gave evidence to that through the cross of Jesus Christ. Also pray that you were challenged to begin to see that, that God's plan is for all people, all of creation, regardless of our ethnicity or our race, that God has created us, he has made us, and it is good. And we want to see the heart of people. And we just want to love people. And we want to point people to the only hope that is Jesus Christ. And I also pray you have a greater resolve just to keep hanging on to Jesus in the midst of these days of uncertainty. Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming. May we be found to be with him. Father, just, just speak to our hearts right now, Lord, as, as we're going to wrap up the service in, in just a moment. God, just speak to our hearts. God, I just pray that everything that was said from this pulpit, Lord, was pleasing to you. God, I've, I've, wrestled, I've wrestled so much this week, God, and I just feel like my words are not even adequate. So, Lord, just let your scripture speak because you have communicated to us. These are your words, and you are far more powerful than I am. So just let them speak, God. Let them speak to us, and may we hear them. May we hear them, and may we be changed. Help us to listen. 
Help us to hate that which is evil. Help us to seek that which is good. And help us, God, just to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. Lord, if we just do that this week, I think people will see Christ in us. If we just do those things. So God, speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me just give a couple of announcements before we end our service. Uh, Sunday school material, if you've not picked that up, I assume it's still over there. Is that correct? Uh, so you can go pick that up um, and, and be studying through that, following through that. And we'll give you some more instructions this week as to maybe what the next steps are and when, when uh, we can begin to offer uh, child care again. And, and, and when we're thinking about Sunday school, we don't have those answers yet, but we'll begin to, to think about that. Uh, also, just want to remind you, Dennis McMichael asked me to remind you of this. Uh, there is a wedding that is taking place this coming Saturday. Uh, Ruthie and Highland are getting married, and I know the family is excited about that. But as you have already seen in the midst of this virus, a lot of people's plans have had to be altered. Um, and so they are getting married, uh, but it's going to be a small number of folks, just some family in the wedding party. And so if you got that initial invitation in the mail and did not know that it had been changed to only family, we're giving you a heads up so you don't show up and have to get turned away at the door, right? So, um, but man, just celebrate and, and rejoice in them. This is a difficult time. People are getting married in this time. People are losing loved ones in this time. And, uh, and it's hard to figure out how do we rejoice and how do we grieve. And so again, let's just come alongside people who are going through that and rejoice with them or weep with them. Uh, wherever uh, they are in the midst of that. Uh, let me close our time with a word. Of prayer. Oh, one more thing, Awana. We have the Awana uh, Awards tonight. We're going to do that at 525. Uh, and so we'll have some people out here with some instructions. So if, if your kids are involved in Awana, whether you're here or watching online and you're able, we'd love for you to come. We're going to make sure we do everything we can to keep you safe. You're not going to be getting up close to people. Um, and we just want to celebrate you. As we think about our kids taking the Word of God into their hearts, and we want to celebrate and rejoice with that. Uh, we'll also have Bible study tonight. David is going to lead his Bible study, and they'll do that after, um, after Awana. So let's close uh, with a word of prayer. Father God, what a, what a joy it was to be in your house, to, to proclaim your name through song, uh, through prayer, through the preaching of your word. Lord, again, I just pray that we'll be changed, that we'll be changed. God, that this week we will just go throughout the week, no matter what happens, just declaring, Oh, Lord, oh, Yahweh, our Adonai, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And God, that we'll just have our eyes open, so we'll just see your glory all around us, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.